morning, everybody, and welcome to America's favorite youth sports podcast, Clearing the Bases, featuring Coach Jimmy Phil and Jerry. How are we doing today, Coach? Doing good here, Dave. How about you? I am fantastic. We're going to start off today. What's new in the world of podcasting? Well, pretty funny that you asked that question. So for those of you that didn't notice, um, Dave introduced us as the Clearing the Bases podcast when we used to be painting the black podcast. So that's something that uh, that's pretty new. What do you think? Yeah, uh, new and, and different and better. Uh, but you want to talk about why we decided to make that change? Sure, why not? So we had released our first episode on March 23rd, I believe it was. About a week later, I received a phone call, not a phone call, I'm sorry, a direct message on Twitter from someone that had another painting the black podcast. The thing about that was he was, he hadn't launched his yet. So he was going to launch it uh, the following week, right around April 1st. And he asked me if I would change the name. Dave and I collaborate on these things and we got together and we decided that for the sake of, of good sportsmanship, that what we would do is we would let him have the name and we would change our name. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, painting the black is definitely an insider term for baseball. And uh, we decided we'd go with something that maybe would open us up a little bit more. And we wish uh, the new paint, painting the black podcast all the luck in the world. Hopefully he is just a little bit less successful than us. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and on, on that note, uh, we really want to thank everybody. We had a tremendous number of downloads. The numbers of our downloads, our YouTube videos watched uh, way higher than what we had ever expected. Right, Jim? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm very, very impressed and uh, very satisfied. And, you know, I just want to also thank everybody for that, for all of those downloads and everything. Um, kind of caught me by surprise. How about you? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, with the the format that we use, um, Buzzsprout, uh, they give you some good tools where you can track where uh, where the people are coming from, when they've downloaded and all that. And I am very proud to say that we are internationally known at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we did have some downloads from uh, from other countries, uh, uh, Great Britain. And there was somebody in, uh, in there was something in South America. We had a pocket of, of, down, <laughs> uh, of downloads as well. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but now the problem is the pressure is really on now because now we got to make it better and better every week. That's it. We got to deliver here. We got to deliver. So, um, so on that note, let's um, let's jump into this week's topic where we want to talk about little league. And um, so let let's go through let's go through where little league is right now. And so for clarification and ease of conversation purposes, we're going to, we're going to just, we're going to use the term little league and we'll use it interchangeably throughout this, uh, throughout the show and, and probably future shows. So basically it's anything up to 12 years old of, of playing ball of any type of town ball, rec ball uh, organizations like that. We're talking about little league. So it could be Cal Ripken, could be pony league, could be like a, a a PBA type of league, something like that. Other types of cities have other organizations that do it, but um, don't want to run down this list every time we make a mention of it. So we're going to call <laughs> everything from uh, up till 12 years old, Little League. And we want to talk about kind of state of the union with where they're at. And, uh, you know, so first in order, before we look ahead, we got to look back. So I know uh, you and I, just about the same age. Uh, you're, you're, you've got a few years seniority on me, but just a, <laughs> just you. about we're we're in the same generation, I believe. So Thanks I know, for bringing that up. Yeah, well, I'll bring it up a few more times over the next couple <laughs> months, I'm sure. But uh, so we've got when when I was growing up, very few kids, and and we're talking primarily boys. I mean, there's always been softball, and softball is popular and all that, and and a lot of what we're going to talk about today certainly applies to softball. But my own personal experience is, is primarily with, of course, playing baseball. I have coached softball at, at different points, but uh, playing baseball, almost nobody I knew didn't play uh, when we're talking about the, the, the youth spots, uh, 9, 10, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, even kids that really had almost no interest in sports or anything, almost all of them played 
And I think a big reason, there are a couple of big reasons with that would be, A, the whole America's pastime and uh, our parents kind of wanted us to play whether we wanted to or not. Uh, B, there wasn't much out there in terms of options, right? Uh, you know, soccer wasn't big in, in the country back then. This is, you're talking about um, mid-70s, you know, early mid-70s is, is what we're talking about in this country. Soccer really wasn't a thing. Lacrosse wasn't a thing. Uh, basketball had its own season. Football had its own season. Baseball had its own season. So you could play everything. Uh, I wrestled in high school. There was other than maybe the last week of wrestling and the first week of baseball, there was almost no overlap there. So you had that. And probably the biggest thing was just our, our choices of entertainment were very limited back then uh, in terms of we didn't have a computer on a five inch screen that we carried around in our pocket. We didn't have a thousand channels to watch TV on uh, with a 70 inch screen sitting in our living room. Uh, you know, it was get outside and play. So that's where we were a million years ago. Obviously, things have changed greatly through that time up to the time where uh, Jimmy and, and my kids started playing. For those that don't know, Jimmy and I, uh, his youngest is uh, one year older than my oldest. Um, so we have kids that, that overlap in age with, with playing. So obviously things changed dramatically between from when we were playing up until when our kids were playing. And even that was basically 10, 12 years ago when that started. So it's where we're at now. So let's talk about, let's talk about little league baseball today, Jimmy. All right. So what we're seeing is the little league numbers seem to be declining. So in the 1990s, there were about 3 million kids in Little League. Since then, the numbers have been declining between 1.53% annually. Those numbers have been going down. While only 38% of all kids aged 6 to 12 participated in youth sports in 2019, down from 45% in 2008, it did not Im impact youth baseball on a whole. However, it did impact uh, it, it, Little League numbers continued to decline in that same time when it seemed as if numbers for youth baseball were rising. As of 2019, there were approximately 16 million kids playing youth baseball. So what we need to look at is why are those Little League numbers continuing to decline when participation seems to be going up? Yeah, and that's it's really surprising when you think about the difference between you know, when we talk about all of youth baseball, you're talking about obviously the leagues that we're talking about today, but also all the travel programs and all the, the privately run things. So and all that stuff, as we all know, certainly costs costs a lot more money and theoretically should be harder to get into because for town ball, little league you basically just have to live in an area and and you can and you can get in so if the numbers for total baseball are going up but little league is going down that's a hor that, that's just a horrible situation for little league and those types of leagues to be in at this point yeah i agree i mean because you know i i mean i look at it this way little league baseball is relatively inexpensive so there should be more people going towards that Rather than, and I don't want to say wasting money, but going through all of the, the expense, and, and, and it's a major expense to play travel ball. Little leagues, if, if, if we could find a way to make little leagues more exciting and, and better developmentally for the players that are involved in little league, then I think that there's a, maybe a way to possibly bring it back to where it used to be. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to get into some things that we feel are some good some good solutions to get things get that uh, pool of players brought back up again. Um, so, but let's talk a little bit about what are the the problems with little leagues. First of, all, why is it important to us that little league numbers, if if total baseball and we're big baseball guys, if the total participation in baseball is on an upswing, why is it important to us that little league itself? is dropping. Why does that matter? Uh, the, the biggest thing that comes to mind is just that how much of an institution baseball is in this country. And especially little league was the granddaddy of it. And then the other leagues, the, the pony league and the Cal Ripkins came along, but they, they, it's not like they came around years or a couple of years ago. Those have been around for 
whatever, 50 some odd years uh, at least. So why is that important to us that it's we're getting away from the local leagues and it's going over to the pay for play stuff? I mean, there you could, where do you want to start? There's a million reasons why the, um, the first thing that always comes to mind when I think about Little League is my local community. There, you know, seems to be splitting everything up. People are going all over the place. There's no more sense of community. All right. Typically, these uh, Little Leagues were, were prepping players for, for their high school baseball. And the, the good part about that is that those kids stayed together and played together year after year after year. They were their friends. They went to school together. They, they, there were things involved with Little League that helped the community. I think we had talked about the parade that we used to have. That was a big community affair. It was huge. There were the fire departments involved, the police department, all of the kids walking through the streets. I don't know if you remember that. The people- yeah, people lined up along the along the the, the, the sides, th- you know, having candy thrown out to the kids and cheering the kids along and all that stuff. Absolutely. What I mean, what an experience. And it's almost gone. Nobody, you know, nobody participates anymore. Everybody ran in 16 million different directions. Yeah, um, I know even the, the last couple of years that we were involved, which, again, you're talking about six, seven years ago at this point, um, it was at the point where you know, there was teams that would get three kids that would show up for the parade, you know, because if it wasn't a if it wasn't mandatory, they had something else that they were doing or they weren't interested in it or the parents didn't have the time and, and all this stuff. And, and it was just, it was, it was rough trying to, I was part of our, our local league where I was trying to organize the thing. It was, sure. it was tough. Yeah. Right. But it's community involvement. It was a beautiful thing to see that nice sunny day. Everybody was out, you know, it's springtime. It, it, it's like right. a, a, a new awakening. I, mean, I know. I'm being I was just going to say it's, it's the rebirth of the year, right? You know, and the, 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 the sun is out you smell this cut grass. That's, that's, that's the beginning of, that's really the beginning of that year, right. Of, of, of when spring comes and is, is baseball, they go hand in hand. And you know, the other thing when you talk about community that comes to mind for me is not just about like the, um, the parades, but, and, and the whole thing with keeping the kids together through high school, but it's also the, the smaller that pool of kids that are playing is obviously the smaller number of volunteers you're going to have because there's less parents involved. So now you don't have as many, you don't have as many people that are getting together in that community where a lot of places, people don't know who their neighbor is and they don't know who the person four houses down the street from them is. But if we get back to that sense of community and baseball would be a great catalyst for that, it really could be. Um, so now, so you know, if, if a league used to have 10 teams and two to three coaches per team, that's 20 to 30 parents that are involved with just that one league. Now you have a league with four teams in it. So now you're talking about eight to 12 parents that are involved with it. Right. It's just everything shrinks down. It's a negative on top of a negative. So we know that this is a problem. We know that it's, it's, it's declining. I mean, I think that it would be probably a good idea for us to talk about what are the problems that we see. Let's just, you know, try and take a, a good look at what's going on. And, and then maybe we can talk about what we think we can do to f- maybe fix it or help it along. Yeah, um, definitely. The, the, the major thing that I, that I see is that most of the programs are poorly run. The the sanctioning body, whether it be Cal Ripken, Little League, or or whatever it is, they have a set of guidelines. And my experience has been that they really don't follow those guidelines. It's pretty much like uh, mayhem. They, They do whatever they please or whatever they feel is right. And most of the people that are running these organizations, again, I'm not talking about on a whole because I know there are probably programs in the country that have great people running, they're great baseball people, they know what they're doing, and their object is to, to develop these players. But from what I've seen locally, that's not true. Most of the people that are involved have no idea how to develop young players. 
Yeah, um, I, I think we see multi. This comes from multiple angles. Uh, you've got people that are just they just want to go off of the this is how we've always done it, and not look for new and better ways to do things. Uh, you know, this is the way it was when I played. I I, I can remember hearing that uh, in the board meetings when I was on the the local league board, and people saying, "This is the way it was when I was playing." Okay, is there anything else in your life that hasn't changed in the last thirty years? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so it, it to just put those walls up and say, uh, you know, this must it, it worked back then, so it must work today. It's crazy because the evidence is, as you, you read the stats in the beginning of the show, the evidence is that it doesn't work, and it just keeps shrinking. And we can either bury our head in the sand, keep banging our head against the wall, saying, "Oh, they'll come back. They'll come back. They'll come back." Or we can make changes that are going to make people want to come back. Right. Yep. Um, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the sense of community. One of the things that I just I just found this out recently, and I I, I didn't understand this at all. And, and it still doesn't make any sense. I tried to make sense of it. I can't. They now allow kids from other towns to come and play in your local Little League. It's no longer just these kids. They allow you, I don't know what it is. It's a certain percentage or a certain number of kids to come in. And I don't know, maybe, maybe they're doing that because the numbers are shrinking. However, we're not trying to recruit. We don't want to recruit kids for Little League. I mean, I, I coach for a travel organization and we don't recruit kids because we don't believe it. If you want to play for us, you come to play for us. If you don't, you don't. That's fine. But Little League, you're recruiting kids. It, that, that's crazy because you're not going to grow the pie. You, know, you, you got to think of it in those in those terms, and I know back in the day, you and I used used to talk about that about running running the league like a business, and so many people were against that idea. But what's the most important thing for a business is to take care of its customers and its clients, and, and these leagues aren't doing that. So uh, you have a a pool of kids that want to play baseball, and so think of it as a circle, and, and we're going to do a pie and. This slice goes to this town, and this slice goes to this town, and this goes slice goes to that town, and all three of those slices are the same exact size. Well, town A is pulling kids from town B. You're not changing the. You're, 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 yes, that right. one town right. is getting a bigger slice, but the total pool of kids, uh, not only is it staying the same, but I guarantee you the next year is getting smaller. Because right. as you bring in kids from another area, what does that do to the kids? Because chances are, if you're recruiting kids, you're not recruiting the bottom of the tier. You're recruiting for your all-star team. Absolutely. Yeah. So and now, now you're sort of kicking off somebody from your all-star team that is from your town. So what is that kid going to do? And what are those parents going to think at that point? And, and we've seen it. And it's not a matter of – I don't want to get into a whole conversation about uh, participation trophies and all that. We're, that is not what we're, we're talking about. No. If, there's no. a kid, there's, if there's a kid that legitimately moves to the town – and replaces a kid on an all-star team, that's life. If there's a kid that works hard and develops and gets developed and they grow up so that they are better than somebody else that's on that team, that's part of life. Too bad. But if you're recruiting players and you're setting up your own sort of travel team under the banner of Little League, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll always go back to what, what you just said is you recruit a kid, you're, you're going to recruit a, a good player, obviously. What, what message does that send to that 12th kid that you picked on your all-star team that he's no longer on that team because you brought in a kid from another town? I mean, that's devastating to that poor kid. And it's just not fair. And it's just not the way things should be done. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it's I, I would like to say there's no there's no way you could argue against that. But we've been argued against <laughs> over, over the years. Uh, there's no logic behind it other than it makes that team better, quote unquote, better. better. To, to win. Right. Everybody wants right. to win. Right. Win. Because, right. oh, and, and the old logic was, well, if we if we win the districts, then we get to put up the banner and that's going to make more kids want to come play here. No, it doesn't. So, so you know, you know, my philosophy on, on most of this stuff and the winning yeah, I want to win. Of course, I want to win. But, you know, at what cost? At the Little League level, what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop players pure and simple. That's what we're trying to do. So I, I just to give you an idea, I was watching a, a, um, a Little League game just the other night. 
And one of the things that, that, that I really noticed was that the kids didn't know the basic, basic parts of the game. And again, we hate to paint with a broad brush, but because I'm sure there's some programs that are doing this very well. And even within programs that aren't doing well, there's probably some teams that are doing it well. So but, so we're talking about generalities here. So don't, I don't want anybody getting offended. Hey, I do this. I do this. Great. That's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing and try to get other people in your league to do the same, uh, you know, to do the same thing. So we're talking about what are the issues? Why do we feel that literally through the years has been shrinking down? So uh, not focusing on the fundamentals, bringing in players from other towns, uh, basically the win at all cost, uh, the win at all cost mentality. Um, and what happens when what happens when we focus on the fundamentals? That's where as much as it is work, that work will pay off in them playing better. Them playing better will lead to them having more fun. Exactly. That is just that is the natural progression of things when you don't know what you're doing. When you're struggling at doing something, it is just not going to be fun. And when you're not learning the right way to do things, it's not going to be fun. So, Jimmy, what do you think is going on with the parents of the players and when it comes to the decline of the Little League? Oh, okay. Now, now you, hit, you hit a nerve. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you take this one. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things that I love that you say all the time, you always say we're supposed to be the adults in the room. So here is, is, is my take on what is one of the bigger problems with, with um, little league is that let's just start with something you had said about fun. Most adults have actually removed the enjoyment from, from playing the game. What they're looking at is they're looking ahead to think about scholarships, signing bonuses, all of the stuff that should not matter when you're playing Little League Baseball. That's what they're looking towards. And we're going to get into those numbers a little bit later about that, about scholarships and, and all of that type of stuff. But that's number one. The, the enjoyment has been taken out with the thought that we have to go on to something better, even though we're not ready for it yet, because we haven't learned the fundamentals of the game. We have to go on to something better. So that, that's number one. The other thing that we talked about was the focus on winning. Everybody wants to win. Parents, and let's face it, at the little league level, who's running the league? The, the coaches, the, the, the management, board of directors, whatever you want to call them. They're all parents that are involved with the league. So they don't look at it like you or I would look at it. I look at it from a baseball coach's point of view that, I would really love to just stay with the boys and work through their fundamentals, teach them how to play the game right. And then, you know, we could break them up and let them play games and see if they're learning in a, in a game setting. And I know that that's, that's not practical what I just said. However, in a, in a true developmental environment, that's the way it would happen. These kids are up to 12 years old. The idea is to get them to learn the game rudimentary before we move on to other things. So, I think that if we could, it's going to go back to, to educating, have these people understand, educate these people that this is what it's about. It's about development. It's not about winning. It's not about scholarships. They're, they're, they're not even, they're, they're basically just got out of diapers. Let's teach them how to play the game. Right. And let's, so let's, let's jump into that. Let's, let's talk about the, um, again, because we're, we're talking about the, the issues that we're seeing with Little League and some of the decline some of the reasons for the decline of Little League. Let's talk about that with the, um, about the scholarships and how my, you know, my little darling Johnny is going to be the starting shortstop for uh, LSU someday. What's the likelihood of that happening, Jimmy? Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's a very, very slim um, proposition or, or proposal. <laughs> it's very slim that there's very few players that make it that far so let's let's talk about those numbers for a little bit and again it's it's not insurmountable it's a hill that needs to be climbed but there are steps that you need to take to climb that hill so let's let's look at the numbers we had mentioned in the beginning that there were about 16 million youth baseball players that's an awful lot of players staggering number yeah it's it's incredible 
But out of those 16 million, only about 500,000 go on to even play high school. Forget about college. We didn't even get there yet. So 15 million, 500,000 players never even play it for their high school. So right there, that shows you that that is all Little League should be about is fun. They should be enjoying themselves, getting some uh, recreational activity going, run, hit, jump, have fun. Because the road to get to high school is very, very difficult. Then we're going to move on and we're going to take those players and we're going to talk about college. So, again, half a million kids playing high school. About 50,000 of them go on to play college, and that's across all levels. NCAA Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, JUCO Division One, Two, Three. There's only 50,000 of them. And again, take that from 16 million kids. So let's even move on even further. So about maybe about 10, 10 and a half percent of college baseball players will get drafted. That doesn't mean they're going to make it to the MLB. That means that they're going to play professionally in the tons of minor league teams that are minor league system. Okay. And let's even go back a little bit further. If you're thinking that maybe your high school player may get drafted at high school, which is even more of a rarity, there's only one half of 1% of high school players that go on to get drafted into the minor league system of major league baseball. So like I said, it's, it's, it's a very, very, tall hill to climb and if we're not starting these kids in little league off correctly their chances of making this is is very slim absolutely and and i want to be clear here that we are absolutely not suggesting suggesting that anybody talk a six-year-old player out of wanting to play baseball as for a living I mean, obviously, you know, we all we have to have our dreams and we have to have our goals for every player should absolutely be with that mindset that if I put in the time and I put in the work, there is a chance that I can make it up to those higher levels. But the reality is for the parents sitting there looking at that player, you better have your expectations set really, really low of like, okay, he's having fun. He or she is having fun. They're going to go through and they're going to play and maybe they'll make their high school team. You know, if you set your, your goals there and the kid makes the high school team, you're thrilled. You are beyond ecstatic. Then you can worry about getting to those next levels of either getting a scholarship or just getting some kind of a spot on a college team being a walk on like I was. Uh, but you just you, you have to you know, the kids have to believe that there's an opportunity there. But they shouldn't. The parents should not be under the assumption, uh, or, or you know, that there's a high percentage of them going. And one of the things I, I like to say about that is, you look at the player. Uh, you're watching a pro game on TV, and you see a player that comes in as a defensive substitution in the bottom half of the ninth inning. Okay, so that's probably a guy who's real low on the totem pole on a, on a professional <laughs> on a professional team, right? Um, that guy was probably the greatest player his high school has ever seen. That's right. right. And, and he's, that's where, that's what his ultimate role is, is as a part-time, part-time player. Uh, So yes, we want our parents to be realistic, but we want the kids to still have to be able to, you know, to still have those dreams. So let's. No, I was just going to, I was just going to say that. And, and to sum it all up that, you know, my feeling, the problem with little leagues, is that we aren't giving these kids a chance. It's there. I agree with you 100%. The thing you want to do is you want to keep building these players up so that they work hard, so they try to achieve that goal because it's a, it's a tough goal to achieve. But, and I, I talk about this all the time with my players, we have to start with the process-based goals. And those process-based goals are minor um you know, teaching kids how to run bases, like I had mentioned before about cutoffs. Those are are the things that you need to be working on so that we can achieve the outcome, the outcome goal, which might be playing in college. You want the player to be able to take his career, so to speak, as far as he could possibly take it. But if you're not training him correctly at the earlier ages, you've said it a million times, we wind up losing these kids 
And we don't even know that kid. You know, you lose him at 10, 11 years old. You don't know what's going to happen after that kid hits puberty. He may wind up being the next Mike Trout, but you already lost him. Yeah. Let's focus on, let's save Little League, Jimmy. All right. So because I'm not the brightest guy in the world, I'm not going to have those solutions. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to look to people that know a heck of a lot more than I do. And typically, I will go to USA Baseball because they are the governing body of amateur baseball in this country, and they kind of know what they're doing. So I will always go to them for this type of information. But let's just go real quick, because I know we went through the problems, and I just want to race through this real quick, that in 2014, USA Baseball, they did an audit of amateur baseball. They wanted to see what was going on with the game, and they wanted to know what the challenges were. So number one, and it just so happens that we talked about it in episode number one, is coaching the coaches. The (laughs) most acutely, the the, the biggest problem they saw were that coaches were not being educated. And I'll, I'll just run through these really quick because, again, you know with me, that's the most important thing. Um, the other thing was lack of structured guidance. The players are not being guided, having structured guidance through their, their childhood and their adolescence. The increasing cost, you and I will, will get into that on, some, on another episode about travel ball. The other couple of things that they mentioned were early sport or early single sport specialization, year-round play. And this is another big thing with me is the disproportionate ratio between development and competition. They're playing too many games at a young age. They are not focusing on practice and development. They're focusing on winning games. These are all really, really important things. Obviously, I mean, USA Baseball is a nationwide uh, organization that thousands of people belong to. So you can pretty well take what they say as gospel when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to this stuff. So, all right, Jimmy, let's turn the tables and let's say, how are we going to save Little League? Okay. The first thing right off the bat. this is another thing where we talk about beating a dead horse, but I'm going to beat it to death. Make it fun. It has to be fun, period, the end. Yeah. And there's a lot of steps that we can take to do that because you got to break break baseball down. Let's break it down for a a, a typical eight-year-old kid. Okay. If he's playing more games than practicing, what does that mean that he's doing? A lot of standing around. Okay. Do kids like to stand around? Not very much. So what you're looking at is from it from its core, if you are not up, you are not pitching, and you are not catching, you are standing there. Okay. Yes. Until something else happens. And yes, we train our players to make sure we're moving on every play and all that stuff. And that's hard to ingrain into, into people that they have a position to go to on every play. But Baseball can be a very boring sport, so we have to take the steps to make it fun. And we're not talking about uh, major surgery and changing the way that the game is played, but we are talking about doing the things that we can do within the scope of a regular nine-on-nine game and making it as much as, as interesting and as much fun as possible. I could I could tell you that based on what you just said, the that again starts with the coaches. I know that when I coach my teams and you've known me for 15 years or so, I don't really take myself too seriously. There are times when I do, believe me, some of the older players I have to because it's part of coaching, but I, I don't take myself too seriously. We, you know, I try to make it fun for the kids. I want to see them have a few laughs and you know, that that's something that, 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 that I believe is very important for the coaches to understand don't beat these kids. Don't don't beat them, you know, because you want to win a game. Again, I go back to that. Make it fun. Make them laugh. I want to see them smiling. I want to see them having fun. I mean, I could go into a story about about a, a player, uh, twelve years old. I was asked to go coach. There, there was some reason why I don't remember why I had to go and I had I had to coach them. So the kid was on the mound. The kid was having a rough rough go. So I called time out. I went out to the mound and I said, what's going on? He goes, oh, coach, I'm not doing good. So I said, yeah. I said, I'm sitting in the dugout. I said, I saw that. As soon as I said that, the kid started laughing. 
All right. He started laughing. So now I know the kid's relaxed. So meanwhile, the catcher's walking out. So I looked at the catcher and I said to him, listen, what kind of what what kind of ice cream you like? So he says chocolate. So I said, OK, good. So I looked at the pitcher. I said, what kind of ice cream you like? So he said, yeah, he said, I'm a chocolate guy, too. So I said, beautiful. I said, this is what we're going to do. I said, reach back, throw the ball. Let's get out of this inning. I said, when the game's over, we'll go get some chocolate ice cream. What do you guys think? So again, they all they both started laughing. I said, OK, let's go. Went back to the dugout. He struck the next three batters out. Awesome. <laughs> nothing better, nothing better than turning it around on a kid in a situation like that. So the kid was probably all stressed out, worrying about what he's doing and, and overthinking and overcompensating. And I, again, I wasn't there, but I could imagine maybe a parent or two was throwing some suggestions out at the kid while he was on <laughs> no. the mound. Maybe, uh, you know, so this kid starts to overthink and they forget that it's a game and you just got to play the game. Right. And uh, again, I I, I hate it, but I feel like I have to put these kind of clauses on some of the things that we say. Obviously, we want everybody to be safe. We want everybody, uh, you know, we're we're worried about the health of the kids. We're worried about the safety of the kids. When we say make it fun, they're not running around swinging bats uh, on the sides and and all that stuff. I mean, there's still there's a ton of discipline that has to be ingrained in baseball uh, so nobody gets hurt and, and, you know, throwing motions are correct. So we're not blowing out elbows and, and shoulders and all that stuff, but there's still a, a ton of stuff that we can do to make it fun. And if the, if the coaches are stressed and the parents are stressed, the kids will absolutely be stressed. If you go out and start making jokes to them on the mound. And that was the thing when, when I was coaching the younger kids, I always felt when I first started doing it, I really felt awkward because I don't know what words of wisdom I had to go out to a mound with a kid that wasn't wasn't throwing strikes. And what you find out is a lot of times it's just uh, it's it's just nerves and stress, and you just got to break the ice with them. So you go right. out. That's a great example. Ask them what ask them what flavor uh, of ice cream they want to get. Go out there and go. Hey, um, have you tried throwing towards the glove? You know, I'm I'm a big sarcastic guy, so you know I might use something like that with some of my players, depending on what you know what their personalities are. But yeah, take some of that stress out there, get it off of the idea that it's just about winning. Yeah, yeah, and that that that's really important. But I'm going to go back to what you just said, just real quick, and then I want to move on to the next point. Um, you'd certainly at a, a 12 year old, even I, I I don't even know what age, any age. You're certainly not going to walk out to the pitcher's mound and start talking about his mechanics. You know, you're flying open, keep your shoulder closed. Dude, are you crazy? You know, you're not going to correct him right there. That's practices for. Let him go, let him do his thing, and let him have fun. Relieve the pressure off him. Make it fun. Make him laugh. So, I just I, I had to put that in it. A lot of coaches will do that. They'll go out to the mound. Oh, you know what? I noticed that you're dropping your shoulder. You do no, no. You can't. You can't fix his mechanics in the middle of a game. It's not going to happen. So anyway, I'll move on to my next point. All right. So uh, the second thing, yeah. So the second thing we have on here is, is about the cost. So, you know, little league baseball has always been pretty reasonable in terms of its cost, but there's, there's other things that we can make sure that we're doing to make it even better. So uh, I would look at, uh, I, I did a survey of some of the local leagues around here, and um, some of the leagues start as young as four uh, with T-ball and whatnot. And uh, at least one of the leagues, they actually make that one free for the kids, which is fantastic because, you know, what are you really doing? You don't have umpires. You don't, you know, you, know, you need a shirt, basically. <laughs> is, is, you know, a shirt and hat is, is basically what you provide. Um, those ba- you're, not, you're not breaking out new game balls every, every game or whatnot. you got a bucket of balls that you're just putting out there. So the, the, you know, the expense to the town is very, very low. So that's a great thing. Once you get up above that, I saw fees anywhere from $50 to $150 for the season, depending on the age range. Because obviously, as we get into older, and I know I'm getting into something we weren't really talking about, but as you get into some of the older kids, you do have badge paid umpires as opposed to just uh, volunteers or, or kids doing it. So obviously, the expense does go up. But um, as far as trying to keep that cost as low as possible, uh, you have to pound the pavement with getting sponsorships and getting 
getting organizations and getting uh, other companies to come in and make donations, not just sponsor team and get their name on the t-shirt, but donate money towards fields and donate money towards scoreboards and stuff like that. If you can get that stuff going and you have money left over, start reducing, start reducing your, your league dues, get them down to the point where, you know what, it's, it's almost a no brainer of, of the cost versus the enjoyment factor. You're going to get two and a half, three months of, of playing time for 50 to a hundred dollars. It's hard to argue against that. I agree. It, uh, you know, it'll take a lot of pressure off people, keep the cost down. Once again, what better place if you, if you can make it work so that the right people are in the right places, what better place to teach these kids how to play the game. And while the parents aren't spending a ton of money. So what you'll lead me into my, my next point that, these leagues and these coaches need they, they need to provide structured guidance. So how do we do that? How do we get it? How do we be able to let these board members know how to run your league and so that they can convey it to their coaches so that their coaches know? And one of the things that I believe is you have so many sources that I bet would be willing to help that are local. You have High school coaches in our area alone, I can think right off the bat, there's four, four um, high schools that are pretty competitive high schools in terms of their baseball programs that would be able to go to a local little league and sit down and, and try and help guide them. I know I would. I mean, I coach in White Plains. I, I, I coach a ways away from here. But if the local little league asked me, hey, would you mind coming in and talk? I would do it in a heartbeat. And I'm sure all of these other coaches would do it, too. You also have former college players, local guys. You have local college coaches. I don't know how many co- colleges do we have in this area, including junior colleges. There's, There's five, a ton. six. Easy. Maybe even one, right? Yeah. Talk to them. You don't have to get the head coach to come. You can get an assistant coach, the pitching coach, the hitting coach to come and talk to them. These guys are, are, are professional coaches. They know what they're doing. They can come and they can help you. Um, you have local trainers like the the – at the Cadets Player Development Academy, where Angel Lugo is, is the best trainer in the Hudson Valley. He, I know because I work for him, I'm with him constantly. He would, would have no problem going to a local little league to try and help, to, to give these people the structured guidance that they need to make their leagues better. And now I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's great. So we're talking about the uh, Cadets Player Academy that's in Fishville, New York, where Jimmy can be found uh, during baseball season, which now is 11 months out of the year, but basically uh, almost every, <laughs> night, every day or night of the week. Uh, so, yeah. And, and even on that, where you talk about the, um, the colleges getting uh, the college coaches to come in, get the college players. A lot of those college players, they, 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 if it's local college, especially if it's a junior college, um, but even a lot of the local colleges, the people stay local and they, and they go there. So a lot of them will have younger brothers that are in the league still, or they came up through the league. And a lot of them are really interested in coming back and giving back a little bit. You know, it's it's a community service type of thing. And, and it's what we talked about in the beginning of this about building the community back up. Well, what better way to do that than by coming from the community and looking at success stories that came right. through the program and saying, OK, look what look what you can do. Um, that was something that I know when um, when. Our, my kids, actually, I think it was more from when I guess my younger kid, my younger son was going through. So this is probably uh, seven years ago, eight years ago. Uh, we had a local professional baseball player. I guess I, I won't name him, but we had a local professional baseball player that was on a World Series winning team. And, uh, you know, we did everything we could to, to try to get him to come in and do it. And I think he did come in a couple of times and talk. Uh, and, and talk with us. And it was, it was, it was great. Cause what, what's better than that than to show a, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, this guy with a world series ring on his, on his finger um, and talking, talking about, um, you know, the discipline that's required to play and, and going through some of the fundamentals and stuff. It's, it's fantastic. You can record those, especially nowadays with the technology, you record that type of thing, you play it again for years and years and years. It'd be, it'd be great. Absolutely. And, you know, again, that would, just that alone would set them off in the right direction. You would, you would have to make sure that the organization takes what you're giving them. And here's another big part of it. Sit down with the parents. We talked about the parents. They're the ones driving this. So let them hear from professionals 
what the steps should be. And believe me, I, I, I bet money on it that most parents probably don't even understand it until it's explained to them. And then they're going to, they're going to listen to these people and they're going to say, Oh, I didn't know that because nobody ever told you. Right. Right. It's like anything else. You have to have, you have to have the instruction and it's what we talk about all the time. So we talk about coach coaching the coaches, obviously one of our favorite topics, but coaching the parents, that's something that's, that's, I don't know. I, I, I it, it's kind of shocking to me how little of that goes on where parents don't feel like they are wanted um, around there. And yeah, we don't want, don't want you in the dugout while the game's going on. Right. But during practices, could we use a couple extra hands to make sure that the kids are being kept busy and, and being disciplined and things like that? Absolutely. Like it, it'd be rare. I think in this day and age that that would be turned down. Right. And I'm a big, big proponent that, the development of a young player is a collaboration between his coach, trainer, whatever it may be, and the parent. The parent needs to be in on those conversations. This is what we're working with. This is what we're working on with this player. This is what his deficiencies are. This is what we're doing so that the parent knows that we, in fact, are doing something. So it, it's, a, it's a collaboration between the, the parents are, are a very big part of this. They need to know what's going on. So you have to have people that are coaching and, and running the organization that know what are going, what's going on so that they could explain it to the parent. Exactly. Exactly. And then hopefully the parent takes it. Hopefully the parent takes that stuff to heart and can help to reinforce. They don't have to teach their kids how to do stuff, but they can help reinforce the things that they've already been taught and reinforce the discipline and the time constraints and all that. Right. So what, one of the other things, too, that can be done is, and I, I love this idea, creating groups of coaches that can brainstorm. So if you take, you know, all of your coaches in whatever, in, in a certain age group or the coaches in your organization, and maybe once a month, however, however often you think is necessary, just sit down and talk to each other. You know, hey, what are you doing for your um, bunt defenses? Hey, what are you doing for your cutoffs? What are you doing for this? Talk to each other. And the big part of it is leave your ego behind. Listen to what other people are saying. And collaborate on how you're all going to become better coaches. To be The goal is the kids. We want to be as best as we, the best that we can be to help these kids. Right. It's a, I think the biggest testament to a to a league would be to go through the, the scoreboard or the, the results halfway through the season and see there's no team that's undefeated. There's no right. team. There's no team whose run differential is 50 runs after five games. Uh, you know, it's it's it should be just a very, very competitive, competitive mix. And that's one of the things that I like to talk about is just um, the basics of the leagues themselves and how they run them. And I think ego is probably one of the biggest um, uh, roadblocks that we have with this. And I know because we ran into it when we were involved with the local league and being on the board. And again, just the whole, well, we've never done it this way. Why would we change? Well, because the world's changing, because the number of kids that we have is changing, because we have to look at that. We want to save, let's save Little League. Let's fix, let's fix our league. So some of the things that I like to, um, some of the things I'm throwing out there, and, and I know there are some leagues that do this, and I'm sure there's plenty of leagues that, that don't. Um, I, I, I do think that the kids should be uh, mixed up every year and reallocated to the teams. There's new people that come in every year, some people that, that leave. So uh, we don't want to be in a situation back in the day where you were on the same team for three or four years at, at a clip with the same you know, core group of kids. Those days are, are over. I, I don't think that that's realistic to do anymore because we don't want to have those types of situations where the teams are really lopsided. So mix the kids up every year and do a blind draft. So do a blind draft where the coaches can sit around and they can rank all of the players basically, and they can give them grades and it's, it's grades on, on hitting and throwing and speed and uh, m maturity uh, mental part of the game. Um, all that stuff, your, your catchers, your pitchers, line them all up, rank them all out. And then set them up on a team and you just go, um, you, do, you can do a regular, you can even do it as a regular draft 
But then at the end of the, the draft, all the teams get moved in to a pile. Coach reaches in and picks out the team. And then they just replace, you know, assuming they're, they have kids on the team and you want, you want to coach your, your own kid. That might be a big <laughs> assumption sometimes. But so, so if my player, if my son is a, was deemed to be a third round pick, well, whoever my third round pick is, that goes to the, to the other team. And I take my son on, on my team. Uh, that's the way that you're going to get the most parity and get the best type of competition is by doing it that way instead of leaving it up to people who may just start picking based off of, oh, well, my son's good friends with that kid, so I'm going to pick that kid in the, in the second round, and the kid's really an eighth-round player or something like that. Or one of the biggest problems we used to have is some of the coaches' kids, that if they weren't that strong, that would still be considered his first-round pick. Well, if your kid is the best pitcher in the league and my kid is mid-pack or, or whatever in the league and they're both our first-round picks <laughs> – how do you think that's going to work out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, that's, that's one of the big things that I want to get into uh, that I, I would love to see leagues do. Um, and just, uh, just, we, we want to smooth things out again. We don't want a team that's undefeated. We don't want a team with no wins on it True. because no, the kids are not really going to enjoy the situation and they're not going to want to come back. That's the whole thing. They're not going to want to come back. The team that went undefeated, the better kids may not want to come back because it was too easy. Right. So why am I bothering playing in this league? Right. Right. Um, so they're going to the, they're going to jump little league and go to travel ball, and that's another problem that we'll discuss down the road. But right. yes, there's bodies that you've now lost. You've now shrunk your pool again. The kids that were on the team that was that couldn't win, especially the second the the bottom half of those players. Do you think they're going to want to come back? Right. Uh, you know, maybe, but generally speaking, probably not. Well, um, the, the, fun, the funny thing about that, and I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, is that I know when I was involved with the Cal Ripken League, their president's handbook actually has the draft procedure in it, which creates parity. I don't remember exactly what it is, um, but nobody followed it. They, they just didn't follow it. So there were ulterior motives. In my mind, there were ulterior motives for doing that. Sure. Sure. Because it wasn't advantageous to that particular coach. Sure. So, sure. Uh, and then it's also like, well, this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Great. You know, let's let's watch our our pool of players shrink year after year, but let's just keep doing it the way that we we've always done it. Um, one of the biggest things we talked earlier about was uh, just you know baseball at score, trying to make it fun for kids, trying to make it interesting. And, you know, standing around or even worse, sitting around, sitting the bench, obviously the least interesting that you can do. And you can keep saying, oh, it's good for them. It builds character. It's, and, and, you know, they have to learn this way. They can learn and, and they can watch and they'll, they'll watch and then they'll see what the better players are doing. And then they'll learn. Kids don't really learn a whole heck of a lot that way. They, they, they really only work for, uh, learn from doing and, and, and getting good instruction. Um, so I, I just I, I did a, a check around for some of the major leagues, Little League, Cal Ripken, um, and th- we still have these ancient policies of minimum playing time, two innings in the field, and one at bat. If you're playing a six-inning game, uh, I don't know, say a, a Little League game is maybe an hour and a half long just to use easy numbers, and certainly a lot of times it's, it's more or less, but let's just say an hour and a half is probably good average. So six innings, hour and a half, half hour per every two innings. So out of every game, some players are playing one half hour and that's it. And they're sitting the rest of the time. And if they're learning that after the third or fourth game, then they know when they come out, they don't have to pay attention anymore because they're not going back in. And that's a problem. And we can keep saying, oh, we need to teach these kids how the importance of patience and Good luck with that, because the years have shown that that, that, that it's just it is, doesn't work. Right? How about how about what that does to that player's self esteem? Well, yeah, you know they're sitting there. They're, you're seeing you're seeing the the best kids maybe never coming out of the game, and you're just sitting there watching them play. You get up and you get your one at bat. Let's say you get your one at bat and you walk on four pitches. Wow! Hey, you hit your minimum. You know, you didn't, I mean, all right, you learned some discipline and not swinging or, or whatnot, or, or you strike out on three pitches. 
okay, you know, that's it. Your opportunity is done. And it's the, it's the third inning of the game and you're done. You're out. So I would like to see it go from a minimum playing time to a maximum sitting time. Uh, I don't believe that there's any reasons other than health issues. You know, if somebody's sore, somebody's sick, whatever, that's a different case. But for your normal average everyday playing time, I would love to see maximum sitting time where kids don't sit more than one inning at a time. Because if you take that same kid and you put him in the game for an inning, even if you did in the game for an inning, out of the game for an inning, in the game for an inning, out of the game for an inning, even if you did it that way, which you probably, there's no reason to do that. If there's 12, 13 kids on a team, you don't even need to do that. But even if you do that, that kid starts to learn that, oh, I'm going to go back in. So I need to behave. Now you also have something to hold over that kid on worst case scenario from a disciplinary standpoint that, hey, if you don't knock it off, if you're out running around, not sitting in the dugout, not cheering your team on, not being ready to, to go, then you're not going to go back in the game. Now you have something to hold over them. You also have something to talk to the parents about to reinforce what you were talking about earlier. You get the parents involved. Hey, make sure your child knows that they have the opportunity to either go back in the game or not go back in the game. And it's on them. Right. You know, how much more, you know, how much more do you think that's going to sink in with the kids and the parents if you set something up that way? Right. Right. No, I, I, I agree. I think that that's probably a good idea. So, so we went through a couple of, of solutions that we have. I, I still have, you know, a few more things. Yeah, no, no. Let's 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 keep going. Let's keep going. This is I, I love this topic. Okay, a couple of things that I just want to go through real quick. Okay, about what what you had just talked about. Number one on the drafts, I think that there has to be some type of statistical analysis of the players, and the reason why I say that is because you know as well as I do, a lot of the parents will come and say, well, why didn't my son make this? Or why is he considered a, a C player, not a B player or an A player? If you have some type of statistical analysis in your drafts, then that removes all of the feelings, the beliefs, and any type of favoritism. The numbers are what the numbers are. Set it up in a way so that that doesn't become an issue with your drafts. The other yeah. thing is, and when I say um, statistical, I mean metrics, 60-yard dash, um, you know, um, arm strength. There's uh, we. I'm trying to think of all of the ones we do. We do arm strength from shortstop to first base, from right field to home. There's also, um, like I said, 60 yard dash. We do a broad jump. There are other um, uh, other uh, any metrics. any like agility chill, uh, drills like the cone there are agility and stuff drills. like that. Yep, yeah, there are. Um, I can't just remember. I I know what they are. I just can't remember the names of them. Um, so there are those things where you could collect some data so that you can actually go to a parent and say, well, here's your son's metrics. And this is why he's in the C pool or the B pool or the A pool. So I, I think that that's a big problem too, because people get insulted. They have their feelings involved. They think their son is better than he is. There's all of those things. Let's remove that as much as we can. I know you can't get rid of it completely, but let's remove that. Right, because yep. you still have you still have to have the eye test and 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 the actual putting the bat on the ball. But if you start with a baseline of those types of things, it, it makes it much harder to argue against it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the other things that leagues need to do that would that would uh, make things better for little league is an absolute zero tolerance for unruly coaches, parents, and even players. If you're unruly, if you're barking at umpires, if you're creating mayhem, that there has to be some type of repercussion for that. You, you, you don't want to promote that. And that's one of the things that I see all the time. You're going out. I've seen it where an adult would go out and argue with like a 14-year-old umpire in a Little League game. That has to stop. If you don't have umpires, you don't have a game. So there there has to be that zero tolerance policy. The other thing too that has to be done is they have to use pitch smart guidelines because I've seen kids being abused constantly in their 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 pitch counts, their days of rest, um you know how how we treat a pitcher after he throws. There's all of these things pitch smart would help them. They should go by 100%. There should be no other um way of of handling your pitchers. So that being said, you had mentioned USA Baseball. So 
I had said this before. I know I'm repeating myself, but they are the governing body of amateur baseball. And they have all kinds of programs that will be able to help these people that run these organizations. They have a long-term athletic development program, which actually shows you how much you should be practicing with kids at a certain age, how many games they should be playing. And this is not all theory. This is stuff that has that is 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 rooted in scientific literature, um, and it's it's put together by um, by trainers and psychologists to develop a plan from when they're very young. I don't care if you started four or five. This long-term athlete development plan will help you to bring those players right up to eighteen years old if you follow it, and it has their best interest in mind. Because remember. USA Baseball it has people involved in it that are former major leaguers, former college players, the best college and high school coaches in the country, psychologists, trainers. They, they have the people there that know better than the average person. I've been coaching for a long time, and, and I go there constantly, and I'm still learning from them. So that's a resource. And just recently, I found out, which I am really, really happy about is that they just released what they call a youth baseball manual. Now you have something that every single organization should have, and they should open that up and follow it because these are the best people in the industry. They know what they're doing, and they're telling you exactly how to develop your players. Why would you go anywhere else? That's fantastic. That, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and you know, to, to kind of second down on that, I did see on – Little League Baseball's website, uh, they have links to USA Baseball now. I'm not sure how long that's been going on. I don't think very long, uh, where the two organizations are either working together or Little League is is, is actually supporting them. Um, so they have links to it. The problem is that I see it is that there's nothing mandatory. It's 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 loose guidelines, I think, of or suggestions, I should say, well, well, in wait terms a minute. of going you're, you're- out there. You're saying that that it's it's loose suggestions from the little league or from, from little USA? league? No, oh, from okay. from little league. I said in terms of using in in terms of utilizing the tools uh, that are out there and going out there. It's not saying, as far as what I could find, I could be wrong, but I couldn't find anything that said, um, you know, each league must have a certain number of board members that have to get past these courses and things like that or, or, or anything like that, or, and then break it down from there that each coach for each team has to have done this, that, or the other thing. So it it, little league, it's a good step. It's a good step. It looks like that they are um, embracing the, some kind of relationship there. But at this point, it seems like it's still more of just, Hey, if you'd like to here's here, here's something that's out there for you. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think that that, you know, that pretty much sums it up. I think we pretty much went through, you know, what we see as the problems and what we have as possible solutions to it. And believe me, I'm sure there's many more ideas that are floating out there. But if we don't talk about it and we don't get together as groups and and try and help each other, this is only going to only going to get I just I just heard the other day from from somebody that, you know, is 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 in the know, say that within the next two, three years, he, he believed that Little League Baseball would be non-existent. That's a crime. I, I can't even imagine. You talk about, uh, you know, an American institution just going by the wayside. And there's plenty of American institutions that have left us, and some of them rightfully so. But I, I don't think this is one of them. You know, I think this is right. one because of the way it supports the community and builds up um, the, the, the community and the individuals and uh, promotes teamwork and volunteering. And there, there's so many aspects of, of life that this can touch on and be supported by Little League. Uh, it, it would just be such a shame because if that does go out, then here's a topic for a future uh, pod that we're going to do, you know. Then it, all that's what's left. All that's left is the travel ball scene, and that's the wild west. And right. you know that that's you're, you're talking about all these things that we talk about the positives, or a lot of things we talk about the positives. Shouldn't say all. A lot of things we talk about the positives with little league are are gone. Um, it, it just it's putting us down a, a bad road. So we we need to put our egos aside. We need to be open to new ideas and changing with the times. 
and making sure that we're being as inclusive with players and families as we can. All these things that we've run through today, uh, yeah, it's it's it would be heartbreaking to find out that leagues are actually essentially going out of business. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we're going to wrap that up this week for this week's pod on let's save little league baseball. How to save little league baseball? Uh, we want to thank again everybody that listened this week and, and last week and made us so successful. We are so happy with with the uh, with the way that this has turned out. We want to keep this going. Uh, rate, share, review, subscribe, whatever format you're using to listen to us, whether it be on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever, uh, whatever you're using, we do appreciate it. Leave us comments. Uh, you can uh, reach each of us uh, via Facebook. I'm David Friedman, David J. Friedman. He's Jimmy, Phil, and Jerry. Uh, you can also get us on Twitter. It's at Coach underscore Jimmy underscore. Uh, leave us a comment. Give us suggestions. Uh, let us know what you thought of this week's podcast. Uh, what types of ideas do you have for saving Little League? Is it important to you? Um, and let us know what types of things you want to hear on future uh, future podcasts. We have a couple that we're ready to go uh, coming up soon that uh, we've gotten some suggestions on that we really like. So we want to keep that going. Um, I'll leave you from my end. Remember, there's only two things in life that we can control at all times. It's our attitude and our effort. You have a positive mental attitude, PMA, 100% effort on everything you do and good things to follow. Final thoughts, coach? Well, I'm going to echo what Dave just said, and I just want to thank everybody also for listening. And um, the the, um, the response was overwhelming, and I just want to thank everybody for that. I also want to just remind everybody what we just talked about. We can actually make the Little League world a better world for kids if we just work together. We leave our egos aside. We can really make this happen, and I think it's something that we that should be done. Just remember. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and keep it fun for the boys, and we'll see you next time.